Welcome to our series on the book of Hebrews. In this study, lead pastor Tim Brooks and associate pastor Paul Kern will be sharing life-impacting truths. The Gospels reveal what Jesus did on earth. But now that Jesus has resurrected from the dead and entered into heaven, what does he do? What role does he play? And how does that affect our lives today? These questions and more will be explored in this informative and revealing 10-part series. Now, join lead pastor Tim Brooks. Well, it, while thrilling it is, it just is thrilling to see what God's doing. And um, as Paul said, well, I was just, I was thrilled to see, um, my goodness, a whole wad of our high school kids down here at, at 7 o'clock in the morning praying and standing around our flagpole praying. Uh, that's encouraging that we're participating in something that's going on nationwide, a nationwide time of prayer in our high school uh, being involved in that, and still tonight being involved in it. So it's neat to watch that happen. Before I start, uh, just to give you a little insight uh, here about something that's coming, uh, all of you 7th and 8th grade um, people in here might want to pay particular attention to this. Uh, we are excited about an addition that we're going to do for our youth. Uh, our children's ministry goes up to the sixth grade, and they graduate out of that. After the sixth grade, they're out. Uh, we don't need seventh and eighth graders still in children's ministry. They've graduated. That's for the fifth and the sixth graders to be in there, and that's their time for leadership. But that is a tough age for seventh and eighth graders as they are leaving children's church, but then migrating into youth. Uh, and this is not taking the place of youth group. They are going to be a member of our youth group. They're going to be here on Sunday night. But on Wednesday night, in just a few weeks from now, we're going to be starting a special group on Wednesday night for our 7th and 8th graders. Uh, and we're going to do some special things for our 7th and 8th graders uh, for the last couple of days. It's just been all day long. We've been in meetings and talking about what we want to do and what we want to cover and some issues that we want to talk about. And so we're excited. Uh, starting here in a few weeks, our 7th and 8th graders are going to have a, a special thing that we're going to do uh, on Wednesday nights. Uh, we'll be announcing more about that. Right now, our plan is October 18th, so that's in about two or three uh, weeks from now. We'll be starting a special deal for our 7th and 8th graders on Wednesday night and talk about some needs that they're going through and some things that they're feeling and some emotions as they're moving from that 11- and 12-year-old age into the teenage years. So we're excited about what we're going to be doing there. Also... Um, a quick announcement to all of you parents who have kids over in children's ministry. For those of you who like to visit, all of those over there working have asked me to remind you that when I say amen, you go straight over there and get your kids. Come back over here and visit all night long. But they have a plan from seven to eight over there. And now they're there free babysitting service to 8.30 or quarter to 9. And uh, they said, tell them parents, come get these kids. So if that's you and you are a visitor, whenever we finish here, make sure you go get your kids tonight. Well, are you ready for lesson number three? Uh, we are studying Hebrews, and hopefully your Bible falls open to Hebrews now when you open it. It's a great study for us. Boy, what Paul taught last week um, my goodness, what a lesson uh, we had last week. If you missed last week's Wednesday, if you miss any of these Wednesday nights, it's important that you go back and hear the podcast because you got to keep up with what we're talking about. But my goodness, what Paul did here last week was just was fantastic. 
fantastic. Hebrews is vital. Um, and, and I'm getting ready to teach this, and the more excited I get, and I got so uh, wound up today, I, I couldn't hardly wait for y'all to get here, uh, because this, it's, it's vital, as it's written in a time change from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. And we, we've got to get this. We've got to get a hold of this. It answers all of these questions that obviously everybody had in, in their mind after several thousand years of approaching God and a relationship with God through the Old Covenant, through the law, through animal sacrifices, through the prophets, through the priest, and now to move. See, prophets heard from God for you. And you went, I need a word from God, I need a word from God, I need a word from God. And you chased around to wherever some prophet was speaking or meeting to give you a word from God because they had to hear from God for you. The priest talked to God for you. If you had something you wanted to tell God, you had to get a priest to tell God for you. If you wanted to hear from God, you had to go and get a prophet to give you a word from God. Uh, sacrificing of animals covered sin, but it only did so temporarily. And the law told you what to do, and you would be only blessed if you kept all of the law. Well, to move from that into a personal relationship with God through Jesus, where He doesn't live outside of you on a mountain or then in a holy of holies, but where God actually lives on the inside of you and you have a personal relationship. Uh, my goodness, you don't need a prophet to hear God for you. You don't need a priest to talk to God for you. And you don't need an animal to temporarily cover what you did. We're not controlled by the law. It is now written on your heart. Uh, and it's not the law keeping you from doing something. I, I don't want to do that anymore. I've had a heart change. And, and it, I'm trying, I'm trying to stay sober. I'm trying to stay. I don't want to get drunk. I, I'm trying not to do drugs. I'm trying so hard. You're still living under the old covenant. When Jesus comes into your life, and you have a life change, and you don't even have an appetite for that any longer. What you, used, what you once had an appetite for, you are born again, and you have literally an appetite change. Now, this is a change, and it's quite a learning process. The early Christians still felt wrong. They still felt bad about not going to Jerusalem and taking an animal sacrifice and having a priest go to God for you. I mean, that, that felt bad to them. A life of faith under the new covenant where you accept the blood sacrifice from a perfect sacrifice and have your sins not covered but forgiven... That's new. And here is the point of Hebrews today. Christians today still struggle with this. 
Christians today still struggle with this. It is hard for people to believe that God forgave you and washed your sins away. Well, Tim, I, I know, I know, but you, you just don't know what I've done. But Tim, I know, oh, you just don't know. My life is just so, oh, it's just so. You don't believe that Jesus forgave you. Hell, Tim, I tell you what I've been through, you just what? Clearly, you don't have a handle on the fact Jesus forgave you. Number two, Christians today don't have an understanding that you don't need somebody more spiritual to pray for you. Now, and, and once again, I'm, I'm all for praying for one another. Clearly, the Bible talks about us praying for each other. But, but Christians believe that some big-time televangelist has an access to God that they don't have. They believe that the pastor of the church has an access to God that they don't have. What you need to know is, I have a call on my life to talk. Got whippings for it all through school. I got a call on my life to talk. You have been gifted to be a plumber. You have been gifted as a typer. You have been gifted as an electrician. I've been gifted to talk. But it's Jesus that gives us access to God. It's not the fact that I stand here that gives me access to God, nor is it the fact that you plumb the house that gives you access to God. It's Jesus that gives us both an access to God. Yet people still look to a pastor or to a televangelist or some biggie to have a closer con. See, they have God's ear in a way I don't. It, you don't understand Hebrews. You don't understand Hebrews. When you believe that some big-time, name-recognized TV preacher has an access to God that you don't have personally, you don't understand Hebrews. You don't understand the New Covenant. Now, in this study of Hebrews, as Paul and I teach, the priesthood of Jesus, we, we want, and this is our prayer, we both talked about this, it's our desire. Our reason for doing this is that each of you get a hold. And, and I want you to know, it's, it's different than coming and hearing an amen in a sermon when it becomes revelation to you. And, and folks come out, sermon's good tonight, Pastor. Well, thank you for coming. You come to a place where that word becomes revelation to you. It, it just, it becomes revelation. I grew up in church, and I grew up hearing about tithing in church. And I'd never give no money. God had plenty. I wasn't getting mine. And I remember, I remember where I was, and I remember the age that I was in my early 20s when I got a revelation of the windows of heaven and the devour being when I got when that did it wasn't somebody telling me I ought to throw a dollar in the collection plate when that became a revelation to me I've never robbed God not one time since not ever have I ever made a penny that I didn't tithe off of and I have been abundantly blessed because I got a revelation of what that was and, and, and we're praying that you don't go, oh, Tim, I really like that. I, I learned a lot. I, I pray that you get a revelation of life in the new covenant. 
a revelation of this. And this, because of the study of Hebrews, this is a very life-impacting series. Let's get started. Chapter 4, verse 14. I won't say Paul in second lesson didn't get us very far because in my first lesson I only got us three verses. So he left off here at chapter 4, verse uh, 14. Chapter 4, verse, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Paul talked about this last week. This is where we ended and want to start again. Exodus chapter 28, verse 1, Aaron and his genealogy was set as priest and as a high priest. Now, we're going to move from Aaron and his successors for some 2,000 years, ministering in the tabernacle, and then what later became the temple, and going into the Holy of Holies one time a year, from the tribe of Levi, the Levitical priesthood, to Jesus tearing the veil and entering into heaven for us. Now, because of that, we boldly enter the presence of God and receive grace and mercy for ourselves. Now, we throw these two words around, grace and mercy. I want to make sure that you understand the words grace and mercy. Mercy means God does not give us what we deserve. That's mercy. You're not getting what you really deserve. Grace means that God gives us what we don't deserve. God gives you something that you don't deserve. Mercy is you didn't get what you did deserve. See, you, you don't deserve forgiveness. You deserve death, hell, punishment, eternal condemnation. Jesus, the new forever high priest. Chapter 5, verse 1. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other things, other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifice for their sins. Drop down to verse 4. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He must be called by God for this work just as Aaron was. That is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become a high priest. No, he was chosen by God who said to him, You are my son, today I have become your father. And in another passage, God said to him, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, the word forever occurs over and over and over in Hebrews concerning Jesus' priesthood. See, when Aaron died, his son assumed the office of the high priest. When the son died, his son assumed the office of the high priest. When he died, his son assumed the office. And so it was a lineage from the Levitical, from the tribe of Levi through Aaron. Now, Hebrews shows us man as a priest is over, Jesus is forever. Chapter 5, verse 6, you are a priest forever. 
chapter 7, verse 17. You are a priest forever. Verse 21. You are a priest forever. Verse 24. But Jesus lives forever. His priesthood lasts forever. Verse 28. The law appointed high priests who were limited by human weakness, but after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath, and his son has been made a perfect high priest forever. The word forever, over and over and over and over and over. Forever. Now, under the new covenant, at the death of the high priest, under the new covenant, we don't wait until smoke comes out of the chimney to show us who the next priest is that has been appointed. See, Jesus is our priest forever. It, it's, it, it, there's no death there. This is a continual forever covenant. And we're not, oh no, our priest died. Now what do we do until we get another mediator to go to God for us? Jesus is forever your mediator. Now, there's not a lot said about Melchizedek in the Bible. But what we do know is this word Melchizedek comes from two Hebrew words, king of righteousness and king of peace. Go to Genesis chapter 14. In chapter 7, verse 1, this Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God. Now, when you read that, that ought to throw up a flag to you. He was king and priest. That's two separate deals. We had king and we had priest, but we didn't have a king and a priest. Melchizedek is the only one in the Old Testament that was both. So that obviously is significant for us. Now what I'm going to show you is Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek, not from the Levitical priesthood. Remember your Christmas stories? Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. See, that's big. That's big. You got to understand the significance of that. Jesus did not come from the tribe of Levi. He came from the tribe of Judah. Now, <clears throat> let's go to Genesis chapter 14. I, I don't know that you care anything about this, but this is everything to me. <clears throat> Melchizedek is mentioned for the very first time in Genesis chapter 14. Here's what happened. Let's make this quick. Lot and all of his possessions had been taken captive. Abraham and 318 of his men pursued, defeated, rescued Lot, brings Lot back, gets all of Lot's stuff and brings them back. When Abraham returned from battle, he went to the king of Salem. Chapter 14, verse 18 of Genesis. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and the priest of God most high, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with his blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. Here's the first time we heard the word Melchizedek. First time. Second time is in Psalms 110. Go to Proverbs and turn left. Psalms 110, verse 4. The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That's the next time we read the word Melchizedek. The next time we hear about that is now back over in Hebrews chapter 7. 
This Melchizedek, okay, who is this guy? Who is this guy? We heard about in Genesis. We heard about him in Psalms. Abram took, uh, went after he defeated his enemies. He went and gave a tenth of all that he had to this guy. Who is he? Well, it's interesting. His name, Melchizedek, that's not a name. That's not a name. People use that as a name, but that's not the guy's name. That is a title. And it means king of righteousness and king of peace. It's a title, not a name. Okay, well then who is he? All the Jewish commentaries that you can find and all that you can study about this guy identify him through a trace as being Shem. He was Shem, the third son of Noah, who lived before the flood and after the flood. <laughs> I try to like get excited. Shem is not a name. The word Shem means name. Shem was a name carrier. And he carried the name of Melchizedek. The word Shem means name. He was a name carrier, and he carried the name of Melchizedek starting before the flood and the only one after the flood to enter in to another dispensation of history. The order Melchizedek was appointed by God and lived before and after the flood and he was higher than the Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament that would come later on. Now, there were kings all through the Old Testament. There were priests all through the Old Testament. But there's only one time that a king and priest appear in the same person. And that was the king of Salem, Melchizedek. Genesis, uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. This Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God Most High. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all that he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice and king of Salem means king of peace. Verse 3. I hate emotional people. Verse 3. Get this, this is the best scripture in the Bible right here. There is no record of his father or mother or of any of his ancestors. No beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever. Resembling. See, here he was. 3,000, 2,000 years earlier. The picture of Jesus to the world. The embodiment and the picture of the coming Messiah. Now, now get this. Without a father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning or end of life. Does that remind you of anything? John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh. 
and dwelt among us. I mean, no beginning, no end, forever. See, now picture this. Picture the spiritual position that God placed this guy in. It's a picture. It's a picture of us. When we accept God's salvation through Jesus, we become a joint heir with Jesus. We become a joint heir with Jesus, and our earthly genealogy is no longer relevant to our existence in God's kingdom. Now, what, what you've got to understand is we are in a family of faith that is not dependent on a father or a mother. It is on you and your relationship to God through Jesus. She said, don't tell me, well, Tim, my dad was a pastor. Well, Tim, my mom was a prayer warrior. That's, I mean, that's great. But here's what you need to know. That has no bearing on your position with God. Zilcho, none. It's through Jesus that gives you position with God. Verse 3, chapter 7, verse 3. No one is born into this kingdom. You are without descent. Now, this is huge. That When Hebrews was written, verse 3 was huge. Because if your mother was a Jew, then you were God's child. If your father was a Jew, they were God's child. So if your mother and your father was a Jew, then you are born a Jew. And so you are a child of God because of who your mother and who your father is. Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek. Doesn't matter who your mother, who your father, no beginning, no end. Verse 11. So if the priesthood of Levi, on which the law was based, could have achieved the perfection God intended, why did God need to establish a different priesthood with a priest, the order of Melchizedek, instead of the order of Levi? And Aaron. See, perfection could not be reached through the Levitical priesthood. Chapter 5, verse 3, they had to offer sacrifices for their own sin. Chapter 5, verse 3, he's got to offer sacrifices for his own sin. So perfection could not be reached through the Levitical priesthood who had to offer sacrifices for their own sin, much less worry about your sin. Verse 12. Verse 12. And if the priesthood is changed, the law must also be changed to permit it. For the priest we're talking about belongs to a different tribe whose members have never served at the altar as priests. Here's what I mean. Our Lord came from the tribe of Judah. So whenever you're watching a little children's play and they talk about Jesus from the tribe of Judah, that's got to blow you out of your seat. Because we've never had a priest that wasn't from the tribe of Levi. Wow, this is a whole different deal right here. What I mean is our Lord came from the tribe of Judah, and Moses never mentioned priest coming from that tribe. This is a picture of the change from law to grace. Right here in chapter 7, we see an understanding of the change from law, do this, don't do that, don't do it, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, don't. change to law of grace. Verse 26. He is the kind of high priest we need because he's holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. 
They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once for all when he offered, sin, offered for himself as the sacrifice for people's sin. Now let's follow this. Jesus came out of the tribe of Judah, not the tribe of Levi. Jesus was not a priest after a physical requirement, but after a different order, the order of Melchizedek, who there is no beginning or no end. Jesus is a man. He is a king. He's a priest. Jesus is the king of righteousness and the king of peace. And there is no record of his beginning or his end. He has been with the Father forever. Jesus was not made by human appointment. Melchizedek is the Old Testament picture of Jesus who Abraham brought his tithe to. The writer of Hebrews is showing Jesus is the fulfillment of God's plan and this plan was reached through Jesus. As we open with, we go back to the scriptures all through here. Jesus has an understanding heart for us because he is the one who lived as a man and understands our weaknesses because he lived through those. Chapter 5, verse 9. Chapter 5, verse 9. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. He became the source for eternal salvation. This has been a big mouthful. But I was telling Paul before we came out here, this is not an important lesson. This is the lesson. This is not an important concept about Christianity. This is Christianity. This, what we just talked about, is the most vital thing that you will ever hear in your walk with the Lord. The order of Melchizedek is Christianity. And if you don't have that, then you're still out here struggling to try to please God. You're still out here trying to beg God. If you don't have that, you believe, well, I just don't know if God hears my prayers or not. If you don't have that, then you got to go to get some biggie to pray for you because God doesn't hear you. And until you get this, you have no chance of a prayer life. Yeah, well, you need to pray, you need to pray, you need to pray. You have no chance of a prayer life until you understand the order of Melchizedek because you're unworthy to pray. See, you know what you've done. And when a little kid is done wrong, they avoid mom and dad. But they avoid mom and dad. When you've done wrong, you avoid authority figures in your life. And you have done wrong every day. You said something you wish you hadn't said. You acted in a way you shouldn't have acted. You Something came out of your mouth that shouldn't. And you can't pray. You can't go to God because look the way you just acted. Now you're going to pray? But when you understand that your contact with God is not based on what you just did, only then you can have an effective, effective and fervent prayer life. And until then, you're too guilty to pray. See, salvation is not from the tribe of Levi judged under the law. There's a new order that's forgiven by grace. 
And this salvation is once and for all because it's not you doing it. You got to live under a new order. You've got to live under the order of Melchizedek, which is Jesus. I want you to get this. I want you to get this. I want you to get this. I don't care what you've done, nor do I care how bad you've been. Because forgiveness is not based on how bad you've been or how good you've been. So, uh, but Tim, you don't know what I've been through. What you've been through does not affect our salvation. It's the blood of Jesus. And when you confess the blood of Jesus, it supersedes the life that you've lived. Under the new covenant, forgiveness does not depend on you. Under the old covenant, forgiveness depended all on you. Under the new covenant, forgiveness does not depend on you. And because of that, listen to this word, you can go boldly before the throne of grace. Because of, the, because of Jesus, you can go boldly to the throne of grace. And regardless of how good or bad you have been, at any point in your day, you can say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I ask you, Father God, and through the name and the blood of Jesus, you've got access to God right where you are. Right where you are. I love to worship. I love our lights. I love our haze. I love our music. I love to, you don't have to have lights. You don't have to have haze. You don't have to have music. What you have to have is the blood of Jesus. And when you say in the name of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, boom, you are boldly standing before God. And here's what I want you to know. He sympathizes with you. Whatever you have come in here today, going through or experiencing whatever hurt, whatever pain, whatever grief, whatever loss, whatever is in your heart, he understands that. And because of that, you have access to God through Jesus. Y'all stand. Lord God, we're, we're just grateful. And all we can do is say, glory, glory to your name. Thank you for a salvation that does not depend on us. Thank you for a forgiveness of our sins and not merely a covering by an animal. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving our sins, washing us clean, and Lord, thank you for tearing that veil. Lord, we're grateful. We have a priest after the order of Melchizedek that resides at your right hand that gives us access to you. We give you thanks for what you've done and what you've provided. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Our prayer is that you will experience Jesus in greater ways. If you would like to learn more about how to give to the ministry of CMC, please go to cmchurch.com giving. Thank you for listening today and God bless you.